The Longbox Crusade presents G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Due Years. Welcome to G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Do Years. I'm one of your commanders, Pat Sampson, codename DJ Christophers. And joining me, as always, is my battle buddy in this operation, Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist. That is a prescription for danger. Codame Death Probe. At ease, DJ Cristados, and all the green shirts tuning in for this podcast, I want to welcome you all to Fort Longbox. We appreciate you tuning in to talk some post-2000 G.I. Joe comics with us as we chronicle our way through the Devil's Do Run. Now, a lot of the times on this show, we may have a special guest to rotate in, but on this premiere episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles, it's just going to be me and Pat. It's old school, Pat. Yep, the old long box day. Yeah. Old long box days. Just like we were back in that bunker, Jared. Do you remember <laughs> heck then? Yep. Just like smoothly. we're broadcasting from our old foxhole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, uh, pass me that ration over there. <laughs> no, that's mine. Anyways, oh. uh, <laughs> if we did have a guest on the show, we would debrief our new recruit and we'd find out what their G.I. Joe origin story is. And we'd ask them to name their three favorite Joes. So we should probably do that today, Pat. Pat, I need you to give me a 60 seconds or less mm-hmm. origin story about how you found G.I. Joe. And then I need to know your three favorite Joes. Okay. Or Cobras. If you got or Cobras, you know, someone in the top three. Who's your top three? You, we want me to give my origin story or my top what three? What order did I tell you to give them to me in? Okay. Follow the directions. I'm sorry, Commander. <laughs> 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 That's what you get for not sharing your, your uh, rations with me. <laughs> All right. Well, my G.I. Joe origin story is a long time ago in 1982, G.I. Joe was coming out. I remember seeing the comic book on the rack for G.I. Joe number one. And I remember getting that specific issue along with uh, seeing the toys that were coming out as well. They really had me with the little figures of G.I. Joe. Three and three quarter inch. Yep. Three and three quarter inch. So got some for my birthday, got some for Christmas, got the comic book, started collecting in the earlier days, I didn't probably start collecting probably around the 20s, early mm-hmm. 20s. So a silent issue, I remember picking that one up at the PDQ. Right. Um, and then after that, it was always going to Walden Books in my mall. I would ride the bike there. It'd be <laughs> about a maybe three-mile, four-mile bike ride there, spending my newspaper boy money. Oh, you were you were a paper boy. Yeah, I was paper boy. Yep. Oh, all right. Yeah, so. so you've really found the series through the toys, like I think mm-hmm. most of us did. Through the toys, yep. And the the toys, and then of course that number one that hit the shelves is something like we all had to buy. It. I mean, I bought it, mm-hmm. or Jason did. One of the two of us bought it, but we had number one. I think every boy and some girls had number <laughs> one because oh, yeah. that was a good stuff. I even re- remember that it was the first comic book that I got on subscription order. For like two years, I would send my money in and I got it. It got sent to me in a, like, kind of like a paper bag wrapping from Marvel. So I was really cool. Smut. Yeah. (laughs) It was. You know? All right. So what about these three favorite Joes or Cobras? Three favorite characters from the series. Three favorite characters from Joe would be I'm a dial tone guy. I like dial Mm -hmm. tone. And maybe it's just the beret or whatever and a communications guy. So I think that's really cool. You know, I'm going to say Snake Eyes. You know, he's a favorite of mine as well. And for a bad guy, 
Hmm. You know, I'm going to say Cobra Commander. Uh, metal Mask or Hooded? Both. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's cheap, but I, I like it. Yeah. I, I liked him, you know. Well, much like you, I found G.I. Joe through the toys as well. What's odd about my origin story with G.I. Joe is one of the things I remember most was I had a Viewmaster. Ooh. Real. Yep. Of G.I. Joe. If memory serves, I, I remember there being the hot potato oh, storyline yeah. from yeah. issue one was on Viewmaster. Oh, that'd be cool. To see and that. I always thought that that's a strong memory of Joe from my childhood. Now, I, I may have picked up a figure or two before that, or maybe Jason did. But my strongest early memory is the G.I. Joe Viewmaster. Hmm, that's really cool. Do you have it or have you found it again? No, I don't think I do. My wife is a collector of all things He-Man and She-Ra. We found the old He-Man reels for mm. Viewmaster, but I don't think I've got the Joe ones. Oh, that'd be really cool to see the hot potato one. <sighs> it would. Uh, I would like to see that again someday. Maybe I'll find it in my yard sale adventures. <laughs> but uh, as far as Joes and Cobras go, I'll kind of follow your format and pick two Joes and a Cobra. My favorite Joe is Beachhead. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I've always liked his look, and then I'm a graduate of Auburn University, so when I found out that Beachhead's foul card said he was from Auburn, Alabama. Oh, well, there you go. That's where I went to school, so that locked it in. My second favorite Joe is probably Stalker. Mm -hmm. Always liked Stalker. A real bedrock member of the team. Big fan. And to add a Cobra, I'm a Firefly guy. I love oh, yeah, Firefly. Point, yeah. He's just, it's not even close. Like, there's a second place, but there's a big distance between Firefly. Yeah, yeah. you know, I got so many ones that I like, so it's... Yeah, I mean, it'd be easier for me to tell you which ones I don't like, because there's hardly any. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like them all to some level, mm -hmm. but those are mine. And so from here on in, when we rotate in guests, we'll be finding that information out from our guests. We'll find out what their origin story is with G.I. Joe and their three favorite Joes or Cobras. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to DJ Cristados for this episode's Intelligence Report. Well, thank you, Jared. For this mission, we'll be covering issue number one. Cover date at 2001, but a non-sale date of September 12th, 2001. The writer was Josh Blaylock. Penciler, Steve Currith. Inker, John Larter. Colorist is Hi-Fi Color Design. Letterer is Dreamer Design. And cover art by Jeff Scott Campbell. And speaking of the cover, Duck Probe, please take us through the cover description. I can do that. This is some J. Scott Campbell goodness. Mm-mm, good. Mm -mm, good. <laughs> The classic 80s style logo is emblazoned across the top, and it still feels a little weird to see the image corner box instead of the old Marvel one, but it was certainly exciting to see Joe back on the shelf after seven years. A couple of nice details on this cover include the image eye being colored in military OD green and the number one done in a military stencil font. The main action is a simple but dynamic group shot of Flint, Duke, Roadblock, Shipwreck, Scarlet, and Snake Eyes all stand in front of Old Glory. I think there was an alternate number one cover that featured just Snake Eyes in front of mm -hmm. the Rishikagi Ninja Clan symbol, but for today's episode, we're going to focus on the mass market, more common cover that J. Scott Campbell did. Back to you, Pat. Thank you, Jared. So let's find out what we think of the cover. We'll start with Jared. This is a great launch cover for a number one. It's very mm -hmm. simple. It's kind of reminiscent of the original number one cover where it just featured a handful of Joes sort of leaping and running alongside of the tank, the Mobat, if you remember mm -hmm. from the original Marvel run number one. This has got still a handful of Joes just sort of bundled together in front of the flag. It's simple. It looks great. J. Scott Campbell actually ended up doing a recreation 
of the Marvel number one cover. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think they use that for a couple trade paperback covers, and mm-hmm. it looks great. But if you think of that kind of cover, but with that J. Scott Campbell flavor, that's pretty much what we've got going on here, and I really like it. What about you, Pat? Well, you can't go wrong with J. Scott Campbell doing a G.I. Joe cover. I mean, that's, I think a lot of people have dreamt of that when he first came out and around and you start to see his art style. Mm-hmm. Man, just to see him draw some Joe is amazing. I really like it too. I think just having that group together, standing there like they're just, let's go. Yo, Joe. <laughs> Yo, Joe. <laughs> and behind in that flag that's behind it is just I'm I'm all in on this cover. Oh, it's wonderful, man. Yeah. It's 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 a poster waiting to happen. Now, what I did notice about this cover is when he signs it, it says Campbell 2001, and he writes after something that I can't make out. And anytime an artist puts after, that means he's based this cover after a pose or a lineup that someone else has done. And I can't make out what it says. It's like it's a symbol. It's like a symbol. Yeah. There's a, definitely a G and an L involved, and maybe an I. I'm not sure, but he is definitely sort of retooling someone else's design because he gave him credit for after. I don't know. It's a weird symbol. I I wish I knew more. I bet one of our awesome listeners knows more and could probably tell us. Yeah. But you can do over on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. Instagram. It's all at Longbox Crusade. So hit us up if you know what cover this was modeled after. And I'll probably slap myself in the head and go, oh, yeah, it's modeled after, you know, that cover. But I just I don't remember. I don't remember either, but definitely a really nice looking cover. But the, cool. the color on it, too, is done by Hi-Fi. Oh, God. So, yes, yeah, it's it just, man, I was so excited when I saw this cover. Me, too. I just couldn't believe that G.I. Joe is back on the shelf looking this good. I mean, this group of six that they picked, none of them, with the exception of Snake Eyes, was in our top three because Snake Eyes was in yours. Yeah. But these are a strong core of Joes. I like all these Joes. Mm -hmm. It's the the main leaders, I would think, of the Joes. Okay, let's play a fun game of who do you think belongs here the least? (laughs) Okay. Because uh, I'll let you go first. I got my pick. Um, Who do you think belongs? Shipwreck. Shipwreck. I was always baffled that they really want to include Shipwreck, but I think he was more popular... From the cartoon? From the cartoon. I think that stuck with a lot of people, so I can see why mm-hmm. he got in. And they thankfully retooled his design. Yeah. All the designs are retooled a little bit, but his needed an overhaul because, you know, he kind of looked like one of the yeah. village people. People. So thankfully, he's he's just rocking the sort of sailor sweater and, yeah. and cap ensemble so that's nice he looks good wielding the dual pistols too he looks scary Mm -hmm. oh yeah definitely definitely and then roblox got the t-shirt on now yeah that's right he's not showing the guns with the muscle Mm -hmm. shirt but they are implied (laughs) and he's got an earring oh yeah i didn't notice that until you pointed out just now yeah i don't think he had an earring back in the day yeah just a couple little tweak design i think this is really good because the one who got overall the most was the one who needed to be overall the most with shipwreck. <laughs> and everybody else just got little tweaks that I think are great. Scarlet's got some short hair. You can tell that Pat and I are kind of excited to be talking yeah. about some G.I. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We're, like, we're on the cover and we're still excited. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of detail in this cover. It's a great Just the cover. detailing, the guns, and all that. It is great. Great launch. And I love those little details I mentioned in the summary, the OD green image eye. And mm-hmm. the, yeah, I didn't know that. Military stencil, stencil number one. So much going on here. Mm-hmm. Well, I think with that, why don't we rate this cover? So we're going to rate our cover scale on a one to 10 flag points. One meaning you didn't like it at all. And 10 meaning it's perfect. And you should make a recruiting poster out of it. Mm. Huh. 
I think this is obvious on this one. I think, well. I think they may have figured this out, Pat. <laughs> Let's go ahead and, and just go through it. So, Jared, mm. what would you rate this? 10. That's double say 10. 10. It's a 10. Flag points. Ooh, you're going to send all your 10 flag points I'm in for this? I'm sending 10 flag points in for this. Make this a poster. Hang it on my wall. Mm-hmm. Yo, freaking Joe. You want to go ahead and tell us about your 10? <laughs> yes. Let me tell you about my 10 flag points. I'm willing to do the same. <laughs> Man, you cannot go wrong with this cover. Mm-mm. Definitely a highlight. Well, with the cover out of the way, let's go back to Death Probe for some story synopsis in our mission brief. Okay, on G.I. Joe Chronicles, we like to mix things up a bit. I'm going to have DJ Cristados pull the randomizer to determine the synopsis point of view. Will I tell the synopsis from Joe's point of view or Cobra's point of view? Who knows? Cristados, pull that lever. <laughs> and what does the lever say, Cristados? Cobra. All right, Cobra's point of view it is. Here we go. Definitely going to need to get some better security at Dreadnought HQ in Florida because this story starts with the new Joe Ninja, Kamakura, scouting out our facility. And the facility is pretty busy because Zartan has arranged a meeting at the request of Cobra Commander. It would appear the commander is back and has a new plan for world domination that revolves around nanotech. In order to complete his plan, Cobra will need not only Zartan and his Dreadnoughts, but some old friends as well. Major Blood, Dr. Mindbender, Baroness, Tomax, Zamot, and Destro. Now, unfortunately, Kamakura's intel that he delivered to his master Snake Eyes was enough to get Duke and Hawk a green light to reestablish our old enemy, G.I. Joe. Duke and Hawk quickly reactivated the core team of Snake Eyes, Scarlet, Flint, Shipwreck, and Roadblock. To make matters worse, the team has already begun to expand, contacting Stalker, Gung-Ho, Lady J, Dusty, Mainframe, Rock and Roll, Jinx, Spirit, and possibly Bazooka. And things are going as well as usual here at Cobra Central because by the end of this issue, Destro has already betrayed and kidnapped Cobra Commander. Will Destro and the Commander find a way to unify? Will Snake Eyes and Scarlet repair their obviously broken relationship? And just what clandestine group has Duke been operating with since G.I. Joe dissolved? And with that, it's time for our highs and lows on this issue. So, Pat... Give me a high or a low. We might go three rounds, so it's just two of us. So okay. don't get all excited and read all your yeah, notes no. in the first round like you always do. <laughs> well, you know, I don't have a lot of notes because what can you say about this issue? I wanted to read it so badly back then. And then it's been a while since I've read the first issue again. Mm-hmm. And man, it just brought back a flood of just memory and oh, just same. warming my heart. And I'm like, oh, man. Yes. This yes. Is- <laughs> It's such a good story right away. It pulled you in. Yes, I hear you, dude. I mean, we'd been without Joe for seven years. Mm -hmm. Even though we hadn't met yet and we were worlds apart, we both saw this on the stands and was like, Joe's back. Back. You know, we, well, there were some other ones, but yeah. Yeah. um, It had been seven years since the last one, though. mm -hmm. The last one, which was like G.I. Joe Extreme or whatever, came out like 94. Yeah. I think. Was it 94 or no? Yeah. No. Yeah. uh, Something like that. I think Joe ended in 94. 155 was in 94. You're right. G.I. Joe Extreme came out in 1995. Just to show off. <laughs> I know my Joe. I know my Joe. What do you sound like? I know my Joe. Anyway, just the way the story starts off, you're interested right away on what's happening. 
I like how you see Snake Eyes, how Duke's doing some recruiting, and you get to see some of the old Joe favorites and friends. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely a high for me is the story right away. It pulled me in. So, Jarrett, what's your high? I just, just assumed I had a high, which I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do. This book is all highs, man. Wow. I'm with you, man. We just Let's just get the gushing, my version of the gushing out of the way. Mm-hmm. Like you, I was excited when he hit the stands. Like you, or maybe not like, I haven't read this since 2001. No, me neither. When I was reading it new, and I remember liking it. Yeah. And so when we decided to go back to do these Devil's Do Chronicles of G.I. Joe, I was like, oh, I was very excited. I, was like, I remember liking this. And so I open it and I read it today in preparation for the show. And I'm just like you. I'm just absorbed. I'm back in. I'm all in. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh. This is excellent. I mean, I, in just 22 pages, they're introducing new characters like Kamakura. Uh-huh, yeah. They tease Zartan's daughter. We don't see her, but we they talk about her. Yet. Yep. They completely master old characters and how they act with mm-hmm. the new little upgrades and twists. I'm completely intrigued about Duke and what he's been up to. They keep alluding to he's been in some yeah. sort of clandestine organization and he doesn't wear a uniform. He's more like a like a men in black look. You know, mm-hmm. it's heavily hinting well, to the fact that Duke may have been sort of a Felix Leiter, James Bond character for the last seven years. And I think... That's freaking awesome. Yeah. They touch about the, the jugglers mm-hmm, towards the end there with him and uh, Hawk or yes. Tomahawk. They talked about how Hawk was basically working with the jugglers. jugglers. Yeah. Now, I got a question for you, Pat. You know more about the Marvel years than I do. Is that a carryover from Marvel or is that a new concept? The jugglers, it's carryover from them. Okay. I they were like remember. the overseeing, right. you know, secret organization that was kind of overseeing the Joe's, the government. Okay, I knew that much. I knew what they were. I just didn't know if they were invented in this Devil's Do run or if they go back to the Marvel years. But yeah, you've back got to the Marvel this. years. So uh, that'll be my gushing round one. I'll have more to say in future rounds about maybe something specific. So let's do round two and let me know, man. High or super high? Because <laughs> we're not doing lows today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's going to be another super high is just the artwork in this is gorgeous. Yes. Oh, man, the artwork, the layout. You know, this is seven years later, so how the art is done. You see a little, some of the faces are a little bit, I want to say a little bit different, but make them look a little bit older Mm -hmm. with some line work and all that in it. Mm -hmm. So it takes a little bit to get used to, but you're like, okay, well, I'm not, you know, this is seven years later. This is what's going on. So I really like that and just, oh, man, just seeing these characters with the nice artwork done, oh. It's just, (laughs) (laughs) and then they, you know, there's that one page where it's Duke in front of the monitor and then he has all the grid layout of some of the Cobras. You got Zorana, you got the twins, Destro, Commander, and, you know, just all those faces as well, too. It's like, oh man, I can't wait to see these guys. (laughs) Like you said, there's there's some subtle changes to certain characters. You know, Scarlet looks a little bit different with the short hair, but still great looking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More ways than one. Wow. Cobra Commander, Destro, man. I just and his iron grenaders come in there too. It's like, oh man, just gush, gush, gush. And then <laughs> how many highs you got here? Uh, I got so many. It's uh, <laughs> let me just you know? jump in with one. You face yourself there, hot shot. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm I'm shooting my load out here. I'm sorry. <laughs> just, just, I'm running out mag- of my ammo. Yeah, don't empty your magazine in the second <laughs> round, man. I'm gonna pick something very specific. I really like the three panel moment where Stalker gets his phone call 
and he's playing basketball with oh, his sure. son. That res- resonates pretty strongly with anybody who's served. At some point or other, we've all gotten that phone call where it's just like, hey, basically things have just gotten real. And I have mm-hmm. a duty and I have to go. And that's a hard talk to have with your family. And that's the first thing he says when he gets off the phone. He says, baby, we need to talk. And I thought that was really good mm-hmm. as a military guy that that rang true with me. Anyway, but, I just want to pick that particular moment and I'll pass it back to the Pat Gush's show. Yeah, but that's a good page because I was just going to talk about that page as well, too. Where that you whole see, page is great. Yeah, continue on, sir. Continue yeah. on. You see all the other different Joes mentioned as well, too, in here and how they get their call and kind of what their normal names are in that. And you find out that Flint had married Lady J and they're together. You got Gung Ho, Wild Bill, Lady J, Dusty, Mainframe, Rock and Roll, Jinx, Spirit. And Bazooka. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Bazooka. He's now working security somewhere. Yeah. He's a bit overweight. Yeah. Balding. <laughs> He's turned gray. I'm trying to think. I'm like, man, does he look like Bazooka or not? But <laughs> Well, I will say this. He definitely looks like an older, out of shape Bazooka. And I know this because later on in the show, we have a segment. And I just might feature him in this episode since oh, he got okay. made fun of in the issue. But hmm. we'll get to that. <laughs> Jared, you got another high or low? Yes, I would give a high for this intriguing, what's always been intriguing about G.I. Joe. It's always mm-hmm. made it a little bit magical, which, because they left it out of the movies, made the movies not as good, is the Snake Eyes-Scarlet relationship. Yeah. And yeah. you can tell something has gone wrong because they meet up, they stare at each other for about four panels, and then she smacks him in the face and walks <laughs> off. Later in the issue, we learn that Basically, he left her at the altar when they were supposed mm-hmm. to get married. So uh-huh. brother, we want to know more about that. So Blaylock has done a really good job of planting seeds yes. for us to want to know more. I want to know more about Duke. I want to know more about Scarlet and Snake Eyes. I want to know where this whole thing is going with Destro's immediate betrayal of Cobra Commander. Yep. There's something going on with Zartan, too, mm-hmm. because they said he's kind of kept to himself a little bit. Mm-hmm. They planted the seed about his daughter. Mm-hmm. We've met Kamakura, who is apparently kind of working for Snake Eyes. Yep. The nanobots. Nanobot technology. This isn't 22 pages, but I think it was 22. They might have been a couple extra pages since it was an issue one. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it was a long, a little bit longer one. But and, and it reads fast. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It really does. Blaylock has done an amazing job. I like as well, too. I'm, I'm going to go into it. Is this our third or fourth one? I don't care. I don't I'm so care. excited about this. I'm going to let you say one more thing, and then I've got one more big Jason moment to pontificate with. Okay. I like what they're also doing here is they're giving us a chance for some other new recruits to come in. Yes. You see Hawk and Duke talking to a bunch of enlisted men from the top of the best of the best, and they're going to say, we're going to give you a chance you know, we know who Joe is, do you? And this is your chance to shine. So I think that's really exciting, too, because I want to see what new characters come out of here. Oh, and I got to piggyback on that, too. The little bit of an in-joke that Blaylock does in that moment when they're talking to the recruits, because Kamakura is there. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember. I think it's Hawk that basically gives him crap about, like, we don't need any more ninjas <laughs> on yeah. this team. <laughs> because I think they're poking a little bit fun about how in the late, run of the marvel era it just they were just throwing as many ninjas ninja as they force, could because yeah. yeah ninja force because ninjas were really the most popular thing like when it was running on fumes like ninjas and that's has a lot to do with <laughs> the ninja turtles because the ninja turtles is what oh, basically really? dethroned joe in the toy market okay and so you saw joe attempt to become more ninja like and they started doing the whole eco warriors thing which was yeah. sort of a direct response 
to mm. the turtles because it was all about ooze and radiation and eco warriors. And, okay. and so, yeah, that was all because turtles basically dethroned Joe in the toy market. I never put that together. Interesting. I like how he calls him the green power ranger. <laughs> I laughed out loud when I read that. We don't have silly spidey moments in here, but I laughed out loud when he said, who invited the green power ranger? <laughs> and I got to tell you, when they first relaunched the figures, which came out a pretty big relaunch around this time, 2000, 2001, they started making new figures. I remember getting Kamakura and being oh, like, who is know that. this? And he looks so cool. What a new design. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah man, I, I, I didn't know that. I jumped back in the figures. I, they were on shelves uh, right around 2000 to 2001 is when they started hitting shelves again with the new waves and the new figure designs that look a little bit like what we see here. So they knew what they were doing. They were getting some toys out because they knew this comic was coming. It might be something that I wouldn't mind doing again is picking up some key characters, stuff like that. That's what eBay's for. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to have some money. I got two kids. <laughs> well, that's what eBay's for. I can Sell them on eBay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you have anything else before I pontificate like Jason? Just love the way this is going. Like you said, there's a lot of seeds planted here that the first time going through it again, it's like, oh, yeah, I want to find out more. I'm so excited for this. So uh, let's go. Yo, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) He's fired up, folks. So am I. Oh, one more thing I want to mention. I like how Commander comes back and he's got two ladies there waiting for him. (laughs) Yes, he does. And then he gets the crappy out of it. <laughs> yeah, the ladies are like, we're going to take care of you. And he's like, hang up my coat. And yeah. she's like, I'm going to de-stress you, baby. And then she just beats Ooh. the crap out of him. All part of Destro's plan. And Destro's like, surprise, I betrayed you in issue one. <laughs> <laughs> Make fun of me, Commander, will you? <laughs> All right. What do you got? Well, it occurred to me as we were prepping for the show, and you read it earlier, this issue, number one's release date was September 12th, 2001, mm-hmm. the day after Yes, September 11th attacks. Amazing how we're just recording this several days after that, too. Yes, we are currently recording this on September 14th. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the 12th was two days ago uh, of the 11th, which is still a, a, a tough day for me. Tough day, it was, yeah. It was three days ago. Mm-hmm. And it made me realize, because we've talked to Joe over on Aaron Moss's G.I. Joe, A Real American Headcast show. And on one of those episodes, we kind of talked about how G.I. Joe of the 80s, the Larry Hama run from Marvel, was very much a welcome and necessary thing to sort of rekindle the spirit of the military, the noble spirit, the good Mm -hmm. parts of the military with the youth post-Vietnam. It's like the military's reputation was hurting And G.I. Joe, as quirky and weird as it is, kind of helped bridge that gap and have the military sort of glorified. That has a negative connotation, but I think you know what I mean. Sort of Mm -hmm. glorified, like properly glorified again. Like there are good things about this. Yes. Yeah. Build that respect, that encouragement. And And so after we sort of had that Vietnam, which can be referred to as something of a tragedy, G.I. Joe was there to build us back up. And then look what it does again. September 12th, 2001, G.I. Joe comes out. America is hurting. And I don't know about you, but at that point, I was seeking out patriotic things. I was more interested mm-hmm. than ever than reading oh, Captain yeah. America. I was more interested than ever in this G.I. Joe. Is this patriotic Americana, militaristic, the good parts of it Yes, that, that, that was just there. And I just think it's amazing that G.I. Joe just shows up right mm-hmm. when America needs it. I don't know if that's by design, whether grand design or... 
I mean, obviously that they didn't know patriotism no, was going to be needed. Know. This came out the next day. Yeah. And, and I know I, I sound like a drummer boy, you know, for the U S military and in many ways I am, but I just think it's amazing and wonderful that this comic has been here two times when America mm. needed it the most. I totally agree. Totally and, agree with you there. And uh, that is going to be my soapbox for tonight. You know, I just want to second that there that, you know, at the time um, September 11th happened, you know, this came out. Just that feeling of being part of, of something and backing America like that is, you're, you're right. It was something that was needed. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder how even in the early 80s, when G.I. Joe came out, how many people, how many people actually, you know, were recruited or, or went into right. the military because of Joe? Right. You know? No, you're right. Whether yeah. the cartoon, the comics, same for maybe this this run again, too, is, you know, that patriotism that was brought back. Mm-hmm. I think it is something for recruiting. So much like, you know, the Navy had its best recruiting year ever after Top Gun came out. <laughs> You know, uh, yeah, and it's yeah. laughable in one sense, but in another, it sparks something in us. And I think mm-hmm. you're right. Reading G.I. Joe comics was a big reason why I joined the military and did my service. I mean, would it have happened? Eh, probably since my dad was a soldier and I leaned heavily that way. But I mean, this G.I. Joe stuff didn't hurt, man. Didn't hurt. <laughs> but I think you're right, man. I think there is a bit of an influence there mm-hmm. because we all wanted to meet Scarlet and the Baroness. lady j and cover girl yep (laughs) i might have got hung up on the wrong details (laughs) you you never know you never know (laughs) well good talk good talk pat and i will hand it back to dj cristados for the ig's report on the combat readiness of this issue and for those of you that don't speak military just like me That means we're going to score this issue's story on the same 1 to 10 flag point scale we used earlier. So, Jarrett, back to you. 1 to 10. How many flag points are you going to give this? With all the gushing and whatnot, I'm leaning towards a 10. Do I back it off to a 9 because maybe there's something better coming on the... You know what? you got to go with what you feel. This is Mm -hmm. a 10. When I read this, like I said, I remember liking it in the back of the day. So I was like, is it going to hold up? Am I going to like it again? You know, freaking 18 years later, or am I going to go, I'm past this. I am not past this. This is perfect. I'm so excited to read more. It's a 10 for me. What do you got? I'm going to give it a 10 too. You know, it's surprise, surprise, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Two Joe guys giving it a 10, but this really did something for me. Brought back those memories again. And it was a decent story. Mm-hmm. So much intrigue going on here. So much more I want to know. I want to read the next issue to start getting into this. You know, I'm, you know, when are we going to record again, Jared? When are we going to record? <laughs> Not soon enough. I, again, I, I keep saying this, but Boylock wrote so lean and so crisp. He covered how many characters mm-hmm. and a betrayal and a setup and a recruiting drive and a spy story all in one issue. Yep. I'll be honest with you. That is impressive. This is like... I know I'm going to throw a shout out to a friend of ours on another network, but Van Allen Plexico, he writes sci-fi that I tell him all the time. I'm like, this sci-fi story is like a G.I. Joe story in space. And he's never read G.I. Joe. So he's like, I don't know if that's a compliment or not. Hang on. I don't know if that's a compliment or not. That's my best. (laughs) Anyway, I'm always like, yes, it's a compliment because Van is a guy who can write a lot of characters on a big mission and do it lean and fast like that. And I don't even like sci-fi novels all that much, but I like the way that Van does it. I like the way Van does it. And this, this Blaylock guy is like the Van Plexico of G.I. Joe. <laughs> Shout out Van Plexico, White Rocket Entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> 
Go to Mexico.net. <laughs> Friend of the show. White Rocket Entertainment. <laughs> you know, here's a funny thing, and I don't know if you read it in the back, but uh, it was a little blurb or something from Josh Blaylock himself. And in the beginning of it, it's, he says that, you know, here's a little dirty secret. When I was little, I didn't like G.I. Joe. And he says, that's right. I had He-Man and Transformers to keep him busy. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah. I like He-Man and Transformers. <laughs> exactly. So he said, why would I worry about a little army man? You know, and then for some reason, one day he decided that he'd like them and soon traded away his first wave Transformers for beat up G.I. Joe toys, missing their weapons. And hmm. that was it. That where his love came from. So he traded in the Transformers for the Joes. Yeah. That's a gutsy move, man. Mm-hmm. But Man. just interesting, you know, he, you know, from a guy who didn't have an interest that can write that good, mm. or at least pull you into this first story. It's incredible. I don't have that blurb, though, I think, because I, I'm reading it out of a trade, because mm. I've sent all my individual issues off to be hardbound, because I'm classy. Yeah, Might want to play some classy music right at this point. Just everybody enjoy that. Soak that in. <laughs> You're so classy. I'm so odd. Good for you. (laughs) All right, Pat, take us into the awards section, buddy. And now it's time to award this episode's Silver Star Medal for Gallantry in Action. This is where we each get to award the character in this issue who went above and beyond the call of duty. Jared? Who went above and beyond the call of duty? I think I'm going to give my silver star for this issue to brand new character, Kamakura. Mm. Kamakura got the intel that they needed to put the Joe team back together. None of this would have happened on the Joe side of things without him. We've seen that he's tough enough to take on a crocodile with ease in the swamp. We know that he works for Snake Eyes, so he's no joke. Mm -hmm. And we saw him there at the recruiting drive ready to fight. I'm just like, this is a cool new character. Very capable. So Kamakura, here's your silver star. What about you, Pat? Can I do a Cobra? Absolutely. Okay. Well, since you took mine... Well, you give him the silver snake. <laughs> yep. I'm going to give the silver snake award to Destro for being oh. a sneaky snake. Being a snake, and that sneak spelled sideways. <laughs> sneak spelled sideways. Betrayal in issue one. And he comes in like this all bad. I'm a bad man. And Cobra Commander's like, to the meeting down. Yeah. And he's like, no, right, I'll stay. We're still here. Yeah. <laughs> but then, then he's he, like, oh. <laughs> but then later on, he plays, oh, man, he really played him. An issue freaking one. Uh-huh. Yeah, I give him a silver snake for that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, Death Probe. Please take us into our final segment. Ah, uh, yes. Our final segment is called Death Probe's Toy Chest. It's here, the G.I. Joe collection. Each sold separately. G.I. Joe from Hasbro. In this segment, I will take something or someone featured from this issue and give you a brief toy history on it. Because Pat and I came to this through the toys. My mm-hmm. main love of G.I. Joe is the toys. And then I like comics. And then from there, probably movies and then cartoons. Yeah. But I like them all. But let's talk about these toys. For this issue, I've selected, as I alluded to before, Bazooka. 
I selected Bazooka because it doesn't look like he's going to be making the roster in this Devil's Do, <laughs> this Devil's Do run because they make a joke in there about how he's overweight and he's not fit enough to be a Joe anymore and he's just not looking so good. It's a humorous moment, but I'm like, you know what? If we're going to pick on Bazooka, he's getting featured in Death Probe's toy chest. So here we go. In Death Probe's toy chest, we're always going to be looking at three and three quarter inch shows. I got much love and respect for 12 inch shows, but I'm a three and three quarter man, so that's where we're going to do our focus. According to his file card, Bazooka's real name is David L. Katzenbogen. He's an E5, and he's born in Hibbing, Minnesota. Not far from yeah, Pat. Not too far. Yeah. His primary specialty is armor defeating weapon system. Basically, he's a tank buster. And his secondary specialty is a tank driver. Oh, okay. A quick description of his figure in case you're sitting there scratching your head going, bazooka, bazooka, which one was he? The easiest way to remember it is he was wearing the camo pants, like all Joes, right? But he was also wearing a sports jersey. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a red sports jersey with a blue 14 on it. Bazooka came with a green helmet, a green missile pack, and a black MAP missile launcher. And a brief history on the figure, it was originally released in Series 4, which came out in 1985, and then it was discontinued in 1987. However, you had it a one last crack at it in 1989. It was available mail order only from Hasbro. He's been released under different names. He's been known as Bazooka, Sergeant Bazooka, and I think once or maybe twice as Sergeant Ketzenbogen, his real name. Between those three different names of basically the same character, Bazooka has had eight different versions released at the time of this recording. His most recent version was released in 2015. So that is David L. Katzenbogen, a.k.a. Bazooka. I had Bazooka as I was a kid. I don't think I had Bazooka when I played as a kid, but I think I have acquired him in my yard sale acquired collection over the years. I don't know if I have all eight versions or not, though, but uh, a decent chance that I do. I think I just had the original first series or series four, the 1985 one. Still surprised to let him run around in that sports jersey. Yeah, you know, they got different back then. Yeah, that series, was it four? That's when, mm-hmm. when yeah, they really started pushing the boundary. They, they started pushing it. As of Series 2, they weren't all wearing green outfits anymore. Yeah. You think they did that just to, you know, make things more appealing to the kids? Or mm-hmm. like, hey, right. anybody can do this. And Yeah, I think it was to add variety and make it colorful and eye-catching. And, you know, everybody else kind of, I mean, if you had Grunt and you had Zap, yeah. well, about the same looking guy, right? Yeah. But now they had made him a lot more unique. That's my guess anyway. Back mm-hmm. to you, Pat. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to bring us to Mission Complete status for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Do Years. If you'd like to hear more from us in the realm of comic books, action films, vintage TV, movies, serials, and more, check out the entire Longbox Crusade network. Death Probe, where can they find that? Well, Pat, I'm glad you asked. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and most podcatchers, or you can go directly to www.longboxcrusade.com. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and it's all at Longbox Crusade. Thank you, Jared. And if you'd like to chat with us online, we can be found at Christatos01 on the Twitter. Jared, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, and it's all at Yard Sale Artist. And if you want to interact with us live chat and be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles, join us on our next episode of Doing It Livestream over on YouTube. We do them on the second Sunday of every month, and we always start around 3.30 p.m. Central Time. You can get signed up for that by looking up Longbox Crusade on YouTube. Please subscribe to our channel and click the bell 
so you'll get reminder notifications of when we go live. Thanks for joining us for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles The Devil's Due Years. We'll see you on the battlefield for next episode, where we'll cover issue number two. And I want to jump in real quick and recommend, if you're digging this show, go check out our friend Aaron Headmoss's G.I. Joe Real American Headcast. Pat and I make frequent appearances on that show, and we cover the G.I. Joe comics from the 80s. And then when you're ready to come to that post-2000 new millennium, Joe, come back and see us here. Mm -hmm. So until then, Platoon Fallout. Yo, Yo, Joe. Joe. The music themes for this show are done by musical genius Joe November. Please check out his SoundCloud at josephlin99. That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it.